Hey there, it's Pastor Evan here. Welcome to Unpacked. This is a new series, Unpacking Life as a Messy Human. We're exploring the soul and the strength that comes from the journey of trying to live life authentically. We hope you find it helpful and that you can see yourself in the conversations, the stories, and the interviews. Have a listen and subscribe. This week on Unpacked, I were chatting with Colin Dawes. Colin is the Associate Director at Camp Chestermere. He's a local teacher, a dad, and he recently joined our worship team here at Lake Ridge. Colin and I discuss worship. We share a little bit about how we might define worship, what it means to be vulnerable with God and others in worship, and what it's been like to worship during the pandemic. Colin shares a little bit from his own personal story, and we share a couple of laughs from previous experiences we've each had with worship. I, well, I think we're good. <laughs> I have my moments. <laughs> I think everybody does, right? That's like a thing. I right? I, uh, I hear you're locked up again. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got close contact again, so <laughs> it's been lots of fun. It's like a a revolving thing for you. You just yeah. It's this is the third time, third time this uh, this school season that I've been in lockdown. Fourth time for my family in total. For all of us so lots of uh lots of days at home which i mean it's been great because i get to build a relationship with my family but mm-hmm. it's uh it's definitely weird yeah yeah <laughs> it's a lot for sure but well and it's like you're like on a two-week rotation it's like two weeks on two weeks off yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> two two weeks in public two weeks at home hey i'm excited for today we when we um when we started making a list of of like what would be topics we would want to talk about, who would be people that we would want to talk to. Um, like, I hope you hear this as a great compliment, but you were on the top of our list. We were like, I oh, think Colin you. would be the right person to talk to about worship. And so, so anyways, the podcast has been like, we've interviewed a counselor. We're, we've got uh, some, my, some of my own mentors that are going to talk about leadership soul care yesterday we did this awesome interview with nell mm, from yeah. church like 80 year old yeah. nell and just talked about her story mm. how she became a social worker and how she how she came up with some of the to be honest very edgy theological perspectives that wow. she has that's cool so i have some questions and some things to like intro us but but some of this is really just like how can we help our people that are going to listen to it, which are well predominantly Lake Ridge people. We're not, we're not thinking we're going to become famous really doing this podcast. <laughs> but I'm I'm sensing from this last year just a good deal of struggle uh, among our people, and especially around what what they would coin as worship and and our inability to meet and worship. And I think what often they're talking about is singing. And, and so there's just a few of those kind of things that I, I thought, well, if we could just talk to one of our worship leaders, how, how they see it, how they've come to this. So, so maybe my first question that I have for you is like, what, what was the journey for you? What did it look like for you to become a worship leader? So, I mean, worship has always been something that's impacted me over the years. I, 
I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I came to Camp Chesamere when I was nine. And so like worship was a consistent thing that I came to. And it was really the way that I interacted with God. I would remember the songs when I go home and that like that changed everything. Um, and really when I started worship leading, that was in, that was in 2007. Uh, so I've been doing it for about 15 years now and it's been an amazing journey. It's been, it's been a lot of, having strong opinions about things and then realizing that that's not actually accurate. Um, it's been a lot of learning and growth. It's been a lot of uh, really cool, uh, authentic, vulnerable moments where people are just themselves and they meet God. And it's, it's been beautiful to see. I've seen, I've seen people be healed. I've seen um, lives be changed. I've seen people, we've gone for worship sets that have seemingly never ended like three hours long. And it's just everything from the very intimate, uh, personal, like just me and a couple of people singing in someone's basement to like a a big show with like 700 people there. Every experience has been unique. Um, but it's been, it's been life-changing worship is worship is the one way that I connect with God. I think the, the most, um, and I think everybody in some senses connects with God through worship. Hmm. Okay. I, I have, I have several quotes I've kind of put together, but well, first of all, let me start here. So one of the ways that we, and I've come to try to define, because worship is one of our values at Lake Ridge. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, when we, when we look at our four values at Lake Ridge, Worship is the one that's like, of course you put that in. Yeah, yeah. And so what I, the way I've come to describe it is that it's like, worship is a response mm-hmm. to what God has done. So it's like, in a way, when, when we come to having a, a transformed life or an understanding of who God is in our life and our story, that there is a, there seems to be like a need for a response to that beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so to me, the way I've described it is that worship is that response. And so mm. it, it, it can have varying degrees of, it can be music. That's the go-to thing that most people think about, but that it also can be poetry, a painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can even be silence. Yeah, it doesn't even need to be artistic, right? Yeah. Exactly. It can just be quiet Mm -hmm. and 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 so to me that that becomes one of the most beautiful things that I it becomes one of the things I become most curious about in my own life Mm -hmm. because I do actually like to sing Mm -hmm. um but I I'm I'm becoming more comfortable with being in silence that's good that I would respond to God's love by actually just being with him Mm -hmm without feeling like I have to do something all the time. Cause I'm a doer. And so that, that seems to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so this, this quote from this book I was reading was kind of interesting and I was going to ask you about it. So I, I'll, I'll read for you just a little bit about what, what it says here. It says the heart of worship is to seek to know and love God in our own unique way. Mm-hmm. Each one of us fulfills some part of the divine image in our worship. Yeah. That's really good. So when when you think about that, how does 
How does your worship fulfill the, the divine image of God? I think you hit on a, on a key part when it comes to the response. Like worship is simply just giving worthiness to God and, and just simply, yeah, it, it is a response. It's a, it's, it's a vulnerability to really kind of open up and be honest about yourself and honest about your relationship with God and honest about how you see God. And so when, when it's a reflection of someone being in, or God's image in you, I definitely agree. I've been, I've been told a number of times over the years that, you know, people just don't connect to God through worship music, which I have my own thoughts and opinions about. I don't think it's actually correct. Um, but I think it's because there's so many different ways that you can through, through music and through these worship songs kind of associate yourself with God and, and reconnect. Worship is just an opportunity in, in music specifically. It's just an opportunity for us to remind ourselves of those things. Who is God? Who am I? And what, what am I doing here? I just think it's, whether that's through deed, whether that's through acting and just interacting with the community, whether it's just, it's, having a cup of coffee with somebody or it's listening to worship words being still and just, just listening. I think we all have this ability to connect with God that can be facilitated through worship music, but just is facilitated by being human. Mm. So I just heard you say something add, add to what I had said. And that is that it's like worship isn't just a response. It's also a doorway into seeing others mm. and seeing God in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that. Have you heard the um, Have you heard the the metaphor of like the Trinity in a divine dance? Yes. Yeah. Right. That 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 in a sense, you know, when we see this, the rhythm of the Trinity moving about its business and in some sort of emotion that that worship is the invitation to kind of be the be the fourth member, <laughs> kind of in that in that dance to join in with, with what God is doing and how God is um, with some sort of rhythm moving about the world. Have you, have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. I think you and I have talked about that before. I, yeah, I think I, I fully, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it is a response and in re responding it as, as you enter into this dance, you see these beautiful echoes of, God's creation and God's existence in this world. And it, it, it scares people. It scares people a lot. Like entering into worship in its full state is, is promising yourself and promising God that you're going to be vulnerable. And that's a really scary thing for a lot of people to do. Uh, I think everything that weighs down to worship comes down to that idea of vulnerability. You know, until we, until we accept the fact that we have to get to that point in order to worship, I think it's it's an, sometimes it's an automatic response for people, and sometimes people really have to work to get vulnerable. But once you get there, it is the most freeing experience to see God move, to dance, <laughs> to dance with our Creator, and and to to see His existence everywhere, everywhere, uh, and again. That might, for me, it does, it manifests through worship music, but for others, it might just be sitting down and going outside and seeing the existence of nature and just being in silence and being alone. 
or any 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 big moment that I've seen, it's been a moment where I've needed to be vulnerable. And if I wasn't vulnerable in that moment, I I've noticed that things just shut down and people get awkward and people get weird. And that's when those botched worship worship sets happen all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, where you're like you're like forcing people to raise their hands. Raise your hands, people. <laughs> no, but it is. It is. It's. It's. It, you. You have to be vulnerable as a worship leader, as 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 a follower of Christ. That's kind of the baseline for your relationship with Jesus. And yeah, I think I think the more that we do that, the more that we see the kingdom. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things about about worship, and you you've named it. I'm kind of glad, like you brought this up, so it's on you then. <laughs> but there is a there is a strong theme these days around the word vulnerability. Yeah, and it it seems to me that, and we're hearing that in in the podcast actually, as I'm sharing from some of the other things. This is a word that continues to come up. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of it, um, to be honest, because because when I talk about vulnerability in other areas. It, it, there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. So, so you can, you can be transparent, which is be open for people to see in, right? But vulnerability is really inviting people to, to be in. And, and because when we allow people into our vulnerable spaces, we're, we're allowing them to move the furniture around, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, of, I think of, um, I think it was the story of the adulterous woman and how, how vulnerable she had to be in front of Jesus. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I actually agree with you in, in some senses. It's, it's really difficult mm-hmm. to do so, but I think, I think vulnerability offers in some, it's, it's exactly what you said. It offers in somebody else into the experience. It, it, it brings in, it brings in whether it's God or it's our neighbor, it's our friend, it's, it's, it's our spouse, whatever. It brings others into that experience. And I think a lot of our faith journey is a shared experience. That, that's exactly, exactly what I'm getting at is that it's like, so if we think about it, transparency is allowing people to see and vulnerability is allowing people to be in to the, the, these places to move the furniture around. So, so if, we, if we take it a little bit further then, so if we come to God in worship and in vulnerability, how have, or and maybe this is a question for you, what does it mean for you in worship then and vulnerability to allow God in to move the furniture around? Like you said this at the beginning, yeah, your ideas have changed. Your theology <laughs> has changed. If we talk to you in 10 years from now, maybe your definition of worship is going to change. And that, that is evidence that God has come into the vulnerable spaces and moved the furniture around. So, so how, how is your journey of being a worshipful person, not just a worship leader, but a worshipful person, exposed you to allowing God to move the furniture around inside of your interior life? So a story, I guess, when I was, so when I was, um, uh, it would have been when I was 19. Uh, so camp had always been like this, this experience that I was so, so deeply involved in, but my faith was entirely at camp. And so I always built up, um, 
my journey along with God as this, it was this moment. It was very similar to anybody who's struggling with the idea of like, you know, your, your faith is at church or your faith is at conferences or, you know, it was the same kind of thing. I'd go home and I'd be a completely different person. And then one year I was told when I was about 19 uh, that I wasn't actually allowed to work again. And that like shook me. That absolutely destroyed me because it made me question it made me question a lot of things and made me angry at God and made me uh, frustrated at who he was and, and the people that followed him. And then there was just this overwhelming note of hypocrisy that just like slammed into me and said, like, you're not the person that you say you are. And people are just finding out now. And so mm-hmm. one of the most vulnerable times that I needed to, I needed to be open and honest with myself was you know, that summer where I'm sitting around working at a, a different job and trying to find out who I am, what my faith is, all those kinds of things. And that summer was the most transformative summer that I've ever seen because I, I wanted to strip down my faith to what's the core foundation that I could set everything on. What's, what's the core belief that I want to set everything in my faith on instead of just this back and forth questioning or this, this back and forth faith life. And the, it was actually a really cool moment and it wasn't, it was actually in the worship moment. There was, there was a time where um, I was worshiping uh, at camp, <laughs> which is funny enough. Um, and I'm listening to somebody else actually lead worship. And I'm sitting in the back of the corner, uh, the corner of the room. And I'm just, I'm just kind of like eyes are closed completely. Nobody's around me. I could, I could be in the room by myself for all I know. Um, and I hear, this audible voice kind of coming and say it says Colin I love you and that was so weird for me that was such a strange thing for me to experience like this tangible audible voice say something I was like oh what <laughs> and I already started like feeling like this welling up inside of, of of emotion and that and then I responded with but why like, what about me is so lovable? And I've already at that point kind of assumed that that's God and, 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 and move forward with that. And the response was, it's because you're my son and I will always love you. And I just like became a mess. And it's a simple premise, this idea of God's love, but to, to understand that there's nothing that gets in the way of that. There's no, there's no hypocrisy. There's no brokenness. There's no, um, you know, uh, life that I'm leading in, in three different areas. There's, there's nothing that will get in the way of that love completely changed everything. Absolutely everything. Um, I stopped going out and drinking, stopped going out, sleeping around, stopped, stopped living this fake life and just started to become the person that I wanted to be, but also the person I felt like God was calling to be when you are the most vulnerable, it's when you see the most transformation. And the next year I was working back at camp. I was what they called the peer leader. Then I became like their male team lead. And then I joined the board and I was the healthiest I've ever been. And I was building community and, and we were, we were doing some really amazing things at camp. And I just, I felt like the most in tune with God that I've ever been. It allowed me to stand firm on a foundation. It allowed me to stay this Regardless of all the other stuff that's happening in my world, this is the foundation that I'm going to rock on. Yeah, that's awesome, and it, that's exactly that's exactly it, right? In worship, God speaks to you 
a core truth mm -hmm. that you're loved. Yeah. And, and it changes everything. What, what's interesting is I'm sure you'd heard that. I'm sure you'd heard that from the time you were nine at coming to camp till, you know, yeah, for a decade, you've been hearing, yes, God loves you, loves you, you don't have to do anything, you're loved because, right, like, you're his son, all those things, but yet, in the, in the openness and vulnerability, which, which, you know, what I heard you describe is kind of, you came to that place at a time of messiness, mm -hmm. when somebody was saying, you're not what you say you are, yeah. you're, these things, these lines aren't connecting, mm -hmm. and in the, in this type of moment, you come to an experience of worship mm -hmm. where, where God speaks this, you know, the, the, the Christ baptism story, this is my son, yeah. right. With whom I am well pleased, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I, it's a beautiful story. And I, and I'm assuming you've needed to remind yourself of it often because, because that's what life is like, you, you know, it's the, it's oftentimes it seems to chip away at some of these core truths that we've come to come to realize. And, and what, what I'm finding is interesting is that God, God chips away at my theology often. It's funny, my ideas. So I've been talking about my idea of worship kind of evolving. I think that's exactly it. Like I think the, the times that I've noticed that I thought I had it all together and I could stand firm on, on a truth that I was convinced this is, this is the way it is. And don't tell me otherwise. I noticed I wasn't actually saying that God was right. I was actually saying that I was right because I'm human and God is God. He, he knows I, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I have some good ideas about some things, but to have our theology and our worship and our experience with God is kind of limited to, well, this is the way you do it. And this is the way you always have to do it. It's been one of the biggest hurdles that I've experienced in worship uh, for me, myself, but also with people that I've interacted with. You know, I remember my own church where I was growing up, you know, my, the bulk of my growing up experience was there was an organ and there was a piano. They were on opposite sides of the stage and that was the instruments you yeah. used and your voice. And, and I remember my dad trying to, trying to move the church forward just a little bit. And he wanted to do a, they called it a worship band, like a praise and worship band. Like the other stuff wasn't that, but this was going to be it. And I remember him having to just do battle over using guitar to lead. And like there was a bass guitar and a drum. And I remember the concession was that, that we could do this, but they, those instruments had to be off of the stage. And there always had to be a, a hymn with a organ and a piano being played. And I, I remember this mostly because I remember my dad feeling really convicted that, that we needed to move forward in our worship style and all these things. And I remember he went to my grandfather, who I most important, most respected person in my, like I respect my parents, but my grandpa was, he was, he was everything what he said, all those things. And I remember him saying, my dad going to him and saying, mm. what do you think about this guitar? Like, am I just pushing too hard? He was in the same church, right? Am I just making a big thing and I just need to let this go? And my grandpa saying, 
you know, when we started this church, the only thing anyone could afford was a guitar. We never had a piano or an organ. And this is how this church was started. And somewhere in the middle, like the devil had possessed the guitar <laughs> and it could no longer be redeemed or used in this way. And so I'm using this metaphor, right? Because it's like, I think sometimes that's sometimes how we see people. That's sometimes how we we see worship leaders that it's like because of something that's happened in their story or in their life or whatever, they can no longer be, they, they can no longer be deemed useful and or worshipful. And so we look at each other and this is one of those challenges in the small community church where people know each other and you look over and you go, well, I can see that guy is pretending to worship and we attach all the, all these things we know or we think we know about them and we ultimately judge the condition of somebody's heart and i think yeah. this is one of the things that i always hope for that worship can bring us to a common ground that regardless of where where and what we've done in our life that we get to come before god and be a part of the divine mm -hmm. dance if and that's yeah. why i like that metaphor because i feel like all are invited into that dance. Mm -hmm. So here's one of my questions for you. So we're in the middle of the, in the middle. I hope we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Good night. If we're in the middle of a pandemic, I'm going to be depressed. Okay. So, but, but we are almost, we exactly, we are almost 12 months to the day. And when I think about, I think one of the things that's gotten a real hit this last year is not just our public gatherings as a church, but I think worship itself has had to be redefined so much in, in our hearts and our minds. And we've had to, I think for some, we have had our, our eyes and our hearts opened up to something that we never thought would ever happen or that we would ever be able to worship again. And I think for others, some are feeling like they, their mind has been solidified. They'll never worship again unless they can get back into a church with somebody singing up front. And it, it can be both, but I, I got to tell you, I'll, I'll attach a story to it. I'm one of those people. Like I couldn't imagine doing corporate worship without the corporate being present in the same room with me. Yet a few months ago, I'm sitting here at this computer in my basement, which isn't finished. It's like a dungeon. It's the closest thing to what feels like a jail as a jail. Okay. <laughs> and our worship services on Sunday morning are not professional. Lake Ridge isn't killing it on the production side of a Sunday. But, but that's just, okay, this is my judgment then. But I'm sitting here and Matt comes on and he, he sings a song for us and the recording is bad. And I, I know how many takes he had to try to do it. I know all of that stuff. And yet 
oh my gosh, yeah. you're going to get emotional yeah. for a second. And that because it was Matt, mm. because it was us, mm. Lakeridge, because it was my community that mm. I knew was watching. Yeah. I... I found myself caught up in the love of God for his community and for me. And it was, it was incredibly moving. And, mm. and I, I have a, Matt mm. and I are good friends, you know that. So there was that, but there was this, this deep connection with what he was singing, the words he was singing and what was happening in me. And it was moving. And so I think for me, that's, yeah. That was an opportunity to join in this dance. And I wasn't alone. So here's mm. what I wonder from you. Yeah. What what will coming back together again? When we come back together again. What do you hope will have changed? And what do you hope will have stayed the same? To me, I, <laughs> I, I think that this time has been one of the mm. best things that could have happened for the modern day church. Because what it has done is it has unpacked so many deep-seated beliefs of what God, church, and your faith journey needs to be. And it's allowed people to kind of experience like some really hard questions, some things that are deep seated. And, and it's been really difficult for a lot of people. I think for some people who already understood those things, it's been a really hard season. Like I'm not trying to downplay the difficulty of the season. What I'm, what I'm saying is I actually think this has been a good thing. Um, because what it's done for the church, at least, is it's allowed us to really question some of the things that we thought were stable. Some of the things that we thought were, were foundations that we could hold on to. And again, going back to that theme, I, I think that this is the journey. Is, is like You can't tell me that a guy like Paul, when he's in the middle of a jail cell, is going to have the same kind of conversations in his head. Can't tell me that this beautiful story of Jonah and the whale, you can't tell me that there's not a transformative process through there because it happened, right? Like whether or not you believe the story is true, this man literally had a transformative process that happened in his life because of drastic change. And I think for us, this, this pandemic has been really hard it's been hard on me it's been hard on our family there's been a lot of hopelessness but it's in that hopelessness that i think we can find faith it's i think where we can find hope for a future so so when you say when you say things like you know i'm excited there what what should what are we hoping for when you come back what stays the same what 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 changes what i hope that stays the same is it's been amazing in Lakers to see the building of community and, and people connecting. I think that's going to even get stronger. People are going to be excited to see each other. That's 
I think there's no doubt in my mind that people are going to be thrilled to come back to a building and just experience God, but experience God now that they've been able to refine a little bit what it is on their own now come back and experience God in a very authentic, real way. I, I mean, it was so cool when we were, even when in Lake Ridge, when we were leading worship in those times where it was still kind of a question, try to open up and see how things go. You saw people just be real. And like, I, I saw faces and eyes just like of either in despair, not in questioning and not knowing what's going on, but be able to approach the, the father through a worship song or through a message being spoken. And, and they found peace. And they found freedom. And that's that to me is so exciting. So I, I think since community is gonna, gonna uh, be reignited, I think I think there's gonna be a lot fewer people who rely on a church building in order for that to be their faith. And maybe this is a reflection on you know my own journey of relying on camp and relying on specific spaces to be where my faith was. But I think it's allowed us to be creative. It's allowed us to do things differently. It's allowed us to appreciate the small things. You know, it's funny you talk about worship. Like uh, a friend of mine told me a long, long time ago, the idea, this this idea that like God actually doesn't care how well you put together this performance. Like you want to do well and you want to show off your skills and talents, but God could listen to you and it could be like his own kids banging on pots and pans. It's beautiful. And he loves it. And that's, that's the, that's the space where we're meant to be in when we play worship. So whether it sounds amazing or it sounds absolutely terrible, <laughs> the end product, either way, like we're, we're experiencing God and connecting with him. I think that this year, as hard as it's been, mm. is going to be a pivotal year for the people of God. And I'd, I wish we could have learned some of the lessons we've learned without so much pain. Because I, I have an aversion to pain, prefer not to experience it yeah. or have people I love experience it. But mm. I don't think we'd have paid any attention if it, had, if it hadn't been so hard. I know for me that the relationships that I have, I want mm -hmm. them to be deeper. I want to I be more brave and be more vulnerable with, with my my close friends, when I am able to be with them, when I get the opportunity, I want to, I want to take advantage of that time together. And I think that in some ways worship, when, when we gather together for corporate worship, that there will be a, a greater intentionality about coming ready to experience the community and to experience God corporately. I really hope that when we come back together, we have, we have people who come open to a new way of worshiping because they have been deprived of it. I cannot wait for the day when those church doors open and we get to sing and we get to, we get to gather together and, and we get to be, we get to be vulnerable in community again. Um, I think is a really amazing experience and we won't, <laughs> We won't have it all together. None of us going, none of us showing up to the doors of Lake Ridge will have it all together on that first day back. That's exactly what I hope for is, is that more, more so than anything, I hope that we, we say it, that we don't have it all together because we never had it together 12 months ago either. We just pretended like we did. 
you know <laughs> and there was something false about that something fake about that and it, it really is one of my big things i just am like i don't want to lead a church that's that's pretending and celebrating the pretending like we all pretend I, i'm not getting don't get me wrong we all pretend i pretend you pretend all of that kind of stuff but i don't want to celebrate it that i don't want i don't i don't want us to be that and i think that one of the the interesting things about worship to kind of bring it back to this topic is when we come before god you can't pretending doesn't work It just doesn't work. And it may not be obvious to everybody around us, but it's obvious to God when our worship is pretend. And that, that I hope when we come back, that no matter how raw or whatever that feels like, or even how messy we all are, that, that we recognize that, that God has been present with us as much in that space as he has been with us in our living rooms at home. And that, that there was some things we were deprived of this year so that we could love our community. We were deprived of community so that we could love our community. I have a question. <laughs> um, okay, you've kept, you both have kept talking about uh, vulnerability a lot and what that means to you. But Colin, I'm kind of curious, like, how did you get to the place where you felt like you could be vulnerable like as a worship leader? And is it hard for you to do that every time you choose vulnerability you've talked about it being freeing but what's the path like there for you yeah it is it's tough for me it does come a little bit more naturally it's been something that i've i've just kind of done and lived my life by um that doesn't mean that i'm vulnerable with every person that i interact with or that um every person i interact interact with gets the full picture of 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 colin for sure but i think with worship and worship music some of the things that have helped me like tips and tricks that while I'm worship leading have, have definitely helped is what am I singing? What, what one of my friends calls Christian karaoke. Am I, am I singing, am I singing this out just because I have to sing it because there's words on a screen and we're all together. And so I have to now sing it because this is what's happening. Or am I singing it because I believe it's true. And when I, when I, when I look at the words and I analyze the words and I try and find out, what they mean to me that I'm then brought to this, this core, back to this core understanding of who is God, who am I, and where's our relationship. Um, and I think that's where you start to become vulnerable. Is, is, is this actually what I believe? Is this actually what I think? Is this where I'm at with God right now? Is this the journey that I, that I'm embarking on with God right now, or is it not? And if it's not, should it be there? Yeah. So I got to, this is kind of spurred on another question. So what happens when you're not feeling it and you're still the worship leader, right? Like, so, so for me, I'm, I'm the preacher and not every Sunday am I feeling it. Right. And what, like, for me, this is one of those places where, and I, I think, I don't think people use this word in this way very often. Like the word, the word I'm looking for is obedience. That there are moments when I when I have to go, I'm going to be obedient to what God has asked me to do, even though I don't feel like it today. And what's interesting is when we talk about obedience in the church, oftentimes we talk about it like I'm going to obey the laws. 
Yeah. But, but what I'm finding it more when I think about the term obedience is more like, no, I'm going to be obedient to what I think God has asked me to do big mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. So, but for you as a worship leader, what's that been like, you know, to, you know, even, I can't remember when it was, it was this fall. You came to church. I was like, how are you doing? You're getting ready to lead. I was like, how are you doing? You're like, this sucks today. This is a bad day. I'm not, I'm not in a good headspace. And you said all those things. And then <laughs> you led us through one of the most beautiful services mm. of our fall. So, but for you as a worship leader, what's that been like? Let me put it this way. A very, a very intelligent uh, person said to me one day, uh, stuck with me for my entire life is that your faith is what you know, not what you feel. And as a worship leader, that's a really difficult thing because I think a lot of what we talk about with worship and leading worship in music is that this is, it's this idea that you're meant to feel something in your heart. You're meant to, you're meant to feel good about what you're doing and feel connected with the spirit. And if you don't, then that's wrong. If you, if you don't, then you're not, you're not actually connecting with God. You're not actually worshiping. You're meant to feel these these tingling feelings up your spine and if you don't then this holy spirit hasn't showed up and it's but this is stuff that we believe is stuff that i believe for like the long it because your faith is actually what you know so i know that god is faithful i know that that being obedient will bring a response i know that god loves me and so that when i'm not feeling excited to show up to a church service and and start singing a song when i pray i I kind of just disengage with that feeling and I fall back on that foundation of what I know. I don't care if the entire set's falling apart. If you're not worshiping, people are going to realize. Now you don't want the set to fall apart. <laughs> like that's why you, you don't want to, you want people to practice and get ready for things. But like for me as a worship leader, if I'm not giving worthiness to God, so if I'm not, if I'm not reviewing the words and I'm not questioning and going through the process of questioning those things in my heart, and trying to see if they're true, whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, people are going to see it and people are going to know, but that's because people desire that authenticity. Nobody desires, desires like a well put together, like, Oh, that made me feel so good. Thanks so much for saying, no, they desire you like people because that is the image of God. That is, that is God showing up. It's just seeing people that is seeing people be themselves is is the very real and authentic spirit of god i never want our church our lake ridge leaders in in worship or in other leadership areas to think that that leadership means perfection that i always want them to know that leadership means authenticity at the same time then it's like there's always that balance of like trying to hold to that value when everybody's in worship, you know, when everybody's going, well, I don't think they're a good enough singer yet. And we see or in, that in person really needs to sure. practice first and they do need to, these aren't, these aren't things I don't like, we should each strive mm-hmm. to do our very best when we come to serve God and others. But sometimes our very best isn't, isn't all that great. You know, in the big scheme of, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I come and do my best playing the guitar and singing next to you doing your best and playing the guitar and singing, well, I'm not going to look that great. <laughs> but that doesn't mean yeah. 
that we're not both worshiping and giving our all, absolute all to Christ when we come to worship. And that's what I really hope for. And I, I, I see that in you, Colin. I, I really do. I, I see um, from the very first day I met you, but also since you've started attending Lake Ridge and serving in the area of worship, I see an authenticity in you that is admirable. And I hope that I hope that as you continue to be vulnerable, that people don't use that against you. And my hope is that you will continue to lead us at Lakeridge for a long, long time in that area. And that you'll play your guitar and sing sometimes mm. too. Thank you. Appreciate that. I think that that's going to change who we are. Mm. Colin, thank you so much for your time.